All right, guys, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're someone who is seeking uncommon results, this podcast is for you. Success, happiness, and wisdom. What do these words mean to you? I think we can all agree that we'll probably all have slightly different definitions of each. In these podcasts, I get to dive deeply into conversations with some amazing innovators, influencers, and trendsetters that have had different versions of how they define the terms, yet have come out on the other side with amazing, uncommon results. At some point in their lives, they have decided to unshackle themselves from the norm and go beyond all boundaries. Well, welcome everybody again to Beyond All Boundaries, and um, looking forward to having this conversation. It's the new year. Uh, it's 2021, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, resolutions or things that people are wanting to do to change and make make strides and to to better themselves. And um, man, I'm really excited about. It. I think there's no one better on this call today, uh, Ron Phillips, to talk about leadership, entrepreneurship, and his business and things that he's been able to do um, throughout his career. And uh, Ron is a best-selling author, um, runs a multiple of businesses, has a podcast, and I'm gonna let him kind of talk about that a little bit. But um, just really excited to have Ron on the Ron on the call today. We met at a mastermind. Uh, maybe even talk a little bit about that today. And um, but Ron, thanks for being here, and thanks a lot for spending some time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. <clears throat> my pleasure. I'm excited actually to be able to be here, and maybe provide some value, and um, and uh, yeah, just have a conversation about business and life. Right, man. So why don't we talk about, um, I'm going to try to bring you back to the journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Is that something that you always wanted to do or always were doing, a, you know, and, and you and I did a podcast um, earlier too, and you mentioned, you talked about, you know, having a job, right? Yeah. And going through school and getting a degree and then having a job. Is that, was that always on your journey? Or we want to talk a little bit about how you've established your business and kind of where you're at. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, when I was, when I was younger, I wanted to be Rambo. Uh, so <laughs> I joined the military when I was 17 and I, I, I actually joined the infantry because I really, I really did want to be Rambo. It's not a joke, but that's exactly what I wanted to do. <clears throat> um, so I was in the military for a few years and, um, I realized that being Rambo was really not as fun as I thought it was going to be. Um, but my military experience was, was awesome. I, I, I would not trade that for the world. Uh, when I got out, I, I went to college, <clears throat> like, I mean, I had the GI Bill, I went to college, uh, I was about a year in, um, I got a little irritated, the people wouldn't let me take the courses that I wanted to take. Uh, and, you know, they kept trying to get me to do things I didn't want to do. And, and I'm sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm paying for this. Why can't you just let me do what I want to do? And, um, and my dad was a professor, my mom was a teacher. So I mean, education was is a big deal, right? And, uh, Finally, what I was going to college for, I, I had taken a, like, a, a part-time job at a young family and, and it was a sales job. I started to make more money while I was in college than I was going to make when I got out of college. And I thought, this is stupid. <laughs> Why am I spending money and time doing this? When if I just went full-time at this, I could make a, I could make a killing, uh, you know, two, three times more than I'm going to make at my chosen career path. And so I dropped out of college actually. And, um, and I, guess, I guess I was kind of an entrepreneur then. Uh, because nobody made my schedule for me um, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I haven't had a real job since the military. So what were, so when you dropped out of college, what were you, what were you doing? I mean, did you, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a, a high school math teacher and a wrestling coach. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I had was my, my favorite teacher ever uh, was uh, coach Mills. 
he was a he was a math teacher in high school and i i loved coach mills even though he was a basketball coach and not a wrestling coach but um i was a wrestler i loved wrestling too so that's what i wanted to do man and uh i mean i realized i was going to make almost nothing doing that and so i um yeah i just decided i, I didn't really want to do that so then when you when you dropped out of school what did you decide to do what 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 occupation or what business were you creating in your head at that time I really wasn't creating a business. I just knew that the sales thing was making a lot of money and I was good at it. <clears throat> and, um, and interestingly enough, I was selling insurance uh, at the time and I, and it was my first sales job. And then like most salespeople, I bounced around sales jobs and, um, you know, I started reading some books. Uh, you know, I, I, re I studied a ton about sales and hung out with the top salespeople. I realized that the top salespeople were readers, they, they studied. And so I did that because I wanted to be the top salesperson. Um, and I remember trading the millionaire mind to another guy and the other guy gave me Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. <clears throat> so I, I read those back to back and then uh, I was director of sales for a company and I got laid off, which was um, at the time very scary, but turned out to be very fortunate because I had been reading this book about real estate. And then when I started to look for a job, I answered a real estate ad, real estate, you know, like millionaire wants, you know, a apprentice or something like that. And I went and it was a, it was a pitch for, it was a pitch for a seminar, which I went to, <clears throat> you know, bought the seminar thing, went to the seminar. And then I came out just on fire, man. Cause I'm like, well, I, I already know how to sell. So that's not going to be a problem. I can negotiate. That's not a problem. I just need to I just need to do the system they taught me and go, go find the deal. So I found the deal and then they denied it. You know, they were supposed to fund it. Uh, I find the deal. I do the work, they fund it and they didn't fund it. So for a day I was just like, uh, you know, I've spent all of my money. I, I, I don't, now I have this deal that I can't do cause I don't have any money. And um, you know, for a little bit, I was really depressed that this didn't work. And then when I came to, I was like, wait a second, I found the deal. He taught me how to do it creatively. Why don't I just go put it together creatively and see if that works? And I put it together creatively and I'll be doggone if it didn't work. I made just under $20,000 on my first wholesale deal. And I mean, I just never looked back. I was like, this thing is, this thing's better than the sales gig I had. This is great. <clears throat> so is that what you've been, is that kind of what you were doing is more wholesaling on the real estate side? So when I first started, I did wholesale, I did one wholesale deal. And then I went and took another uh, seminar about rehab because I thought, man, if I had to rehab this thing, I'd have made a lot more money. <clears throat> and then um, my brother and I, uh, we rehabbed houses for a few years in Kansas City. And then, you know, I got thrown another curveball, which happens in life, right? Um, and that curveball was that we were selling properties with HUD financing and um, in the early 2000s in Kansas City, there was some fraud. So rather than just punish the people who are committing the fraud, they did everybody, right? It was, they said, you have to have a year on title um, to be able to sell to HUD. And we were out of business, like overnight, we were out of business. Um, we had all these houses. I got thrown into the rental business because I couldn't sell them anymore. And, you know, that led me down the path that I'm currently on where you know, I, I help people buy rental properties and I own rental properties and, um, and it's actually much better. It's a much better business. Um, and so it seems like every time a door shut, another one opened. 
and the next one was better than the than the previous one. And so, um, you know, you just got to, I guess that's one of those things, right? You just got to keep walking through the doors. You can't get hit in the face and then turn around. And I think one point, I think what, what I think is really cool is that, you know, I, I have this phrase in my mind, adapt to change, right? Like there was things that were thrown at you, but you were able to adapt, assess, and then redirect versus, and I think that's huge, right? With, with, as running businesses and being business owners, right? Like there's, there's oftentimes where that can paralyze people. Yeah. And, and the ability to adapt and look at, you know, okay, what, how can we turn this into a positive, right? Cause there's with outcomes, there's always a negative or a positive, whichever way you're going to take that can really have yep. an impact on what's going to happen. Right. And your ability to do that. I mean, just listening to your story right now, I was like, you know, one curveball or one slam door shut at it after another and the ability to recognize that and, and to navigate that, to turn it into a positive, man, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about that mindset of maybe if you can think back to some of those things that were going on through your mind when those things were happening to you. Well, I think it goes all the way back. Like in high school, <clears throat> you know, my sport was wrestling and it's you and another guy. That's it. You know, there's nobody to help you. You, you either win or you lose and you, you either win or lose by, using every, all of the, all of your strength, but also all of your talent. And if you lose, well then next week, you got to go do it again. And so you better go back and figure out what you did wrong and come back the next week because you don't have a, I mean, you have a team, but it's not a team sport, right? You're out there and it's you and this other guy and, and, you know, God and the fans and that's it, right? That's, that's all you got. And then when I went into the military, it was kind of the same thing. It's either, <clears throat> If something happens and it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, you get thrown a curveball. Well, it's life or death now. This is this isn't like make believe. You either adapt and figure out another way, or you're going to die. That's the way that works in the military. Now, I, I didn't see combat, so for me, it wasn't actually ever life and death. But that's what we trained, right? And so when I got out, that's just kind of normal. Uh, behavior. I realize that's not normal uh, now, but I didn't realize it then. And in addition to that, man, I had a young family. What, what, what else was I supposed to do? If that deal didn't work out, I had no money. I had, I, I mean, I was up against it. And I think sometimes being up against it, uh, I mean, you're right. You only have two choices, either come out swinging or you know, curl up in the fetal position, one of the two, right? There's really not a whole lot in between. So, you know, we talked a little bit about too, and, and share with the listeners too, you know, you're really involved in a um, mastermind, but more of a, a leadership program too. Um, have you always had that like mindset of like helping coaching people as, you know, around like mindset shifting and all that type of stuff too as well? I mean, is that so that you, how did you get into that too? Cause you, you know, what you're talking about for our listeners, you know, Ron is a, a mentor for many successful business owners in a leadership boardroom type atmosphere. And so I think that's really interesting to share with them as well. That just kind of some of the mindset shifting and things that you help people walk through. So one of the things that <clears throat> I'll answer your question, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of roundabout answer it because I think yeah. it's really important. People, people seem to only want to talk about the positive things and the things that go really well. You know, I've been in business for a, a, over a couple of decades now, and, you know, things haven't always gone well. You've heard about some of the things that, you know, where doors got slammed and it wasn't just an easy, okay, I just fixed it. And now I moved on down the road. That's not the way it works, right? It was some of these 
were hell on wheels for a while. And, you know, they're really, really challenging. Um, but, and I think for my whole career being a business owner, you're either a leader or you don't really have a very good business because nobody wants to, nobody wants to be managed. People want to be led. And so I didn't realize, and then just all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm a great leader. So I'm going to go teach people and other people how to be leaders. I was a part of uh, that mastermind for probably four years, the whole time saying that I wanted to do that before I ever did it. And the reason I didn't do it was because I was scared of failure. And I, I think it's important. People look, people look up to certain business owners or sports figures or whatever, and they see everything they do really well, but they don't see the other side. The other side is I spent four years not thinking that I could even do that before our mutual friend, Sean, basically browbeat me and said, dude, what, what, what is your problem? Yeah. <laughs> what is your problem? You can do this. You do it in every one of these meetings. Everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Why don't you just do this? You, you need to do this. And so I did it and I love it. I absolutely love it. But it took me four years, John, to get yeah. over my, my mental crap that I have, right? You know, and that's really interesting too, because I think a lot of us, you know, we all have our egos and I think we all have, you know, the voice in our head. Yep. It's right, subconsciously and consciously. And, and we tell our, I mean, we are so hard on ourselves as individuals. Yep. Right. Like it's, it's the worst. And, you know, just sometimes having those other people like prod you like Sean did, right. To say, dude, look at, look how talented and gifted you are in this area. And then to get out of that comfort zone. Like I talk a lot about, you know, if we live in comfort the all time, we're not growing and developing or, or, or changing. Nope. Nope. And I think, and I think that is really important to kind of live in that uncomfortable state um, because it means that there, there's good things coming ahead, Re regardless if it's in your marriage, regardless if it's in business life work, right? I think there's so many things that we just being in that, that, you know, complacency mentality is just, I think scary. And I think people, um, oftentimes live there because they don't want it. They don't want to have that uncomfortable feeling. Right. But the, and I think that people, people fear what other people are going to think of them. And I did, I'm just, uh, you know, my, my podcast is called the get real show and it is all about getting real. Right. I, and that's what I try to do. Cause I, I realize that <clears throat> the people think that that doesn't, when they see somebody on a podcast like you, John, they think, man, this guy's just got it together. Right. But you and I have been in, in masterminds. We know better than that. We know because we've seen some of the baggage from some of the people who, who are way more well-known than us. And they've got the same baggage. And I think people out there listen to these podcasts and they're like, man, I wish I could be like those. Well, you can be because we are just as screwed up as everybody else. All we've, all we've done is admitted it and gone and sought help to fix some of the things that, that are screwed up. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really good at, um, that comes natural to me is that I can see more in other people than they can see in themselves. Isn't it ironic that I have that gift and yet when it comes to me, I can't, I'm completely blind. I need someone else to help kind of show me the light. And I think it's important people out there understand that because I think a lot of people just think that some folks 
have it and some people don't. And that's just not true. It's just not the way it is. You know, and I think it's really important too, is, you know, when I, when we were talking about the, the leadership group that you're one of the coaches on is that everybody has, should have a coach, right? hundred percent or two or three, two or three, right? Because again, it's, it's, it's to what you said is that you had, you have this skill set to recognize how the strengths in others, but yet you don't want to see that for yourself. Right. And, and I think that's just really amazing. And, and to be able to be vulnerable, right. And share that and be real. Like, I love the name of your podcast. Right. Because I think for me, it's being authentic and real and just being okay with that. And it's, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's better to be that than fake in my opinion. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, what, who, who wants another, who wants another fake guru? I mean, there's, there's, there's no shortage of them out there take pictures in front of private jets that they don't own uh, in, in, in all of the rest of the crap, right? I, I think that, so the, there was a Facebook post by uh, probably another one of our mutual friends, uh, Eric Brewer, the other day, he, he posted, he posts a lot about his son, which I think is cool. His son is a really talented uh, athlete. But the coolest thing that he's ever posted about his son, I think, is the other day he posted him doing his practice in the morning shot after shot, after shot, after shot. He had this contraption. I didn't even know this existed. Right. But there's this thing that goes under the hoop and yeah. throws you the ball back so that you can get more reps in. And he's just, boom, just, and then after, cause he, he hits so many in a row, it looked like the kid never missed. And then he cuts to another video of his misses. Right. And it's this kid just putting in work, putting in work. And I, <laughs> I don't know why it is, but our, our, our natural self wants to just see the end result mm -hmm. and go, man, that kid's talented. No, the kid put in thousands and thousands and thousands of reps. That's why, right? I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's talented, but he put in a ton of work too. And as entrepreneurs, we look at people and we go, man, they got this awesome business. Yeah, well, they put in the reps. They showed up. And they did the hard work and they did it for a long time. And maybe now it's easier for them, but I guarantee you it wasn't in the beginning. I guarantee what, it. What would you say has been like one of the biggest, and I know this is kind of like a cliche question, but I, I really like to ask it because I, I mean it in such an authentic way, because I think it's really important for the listeners um, of, of people that listen to you and, and, and on this podcast is, you know, what have you learned throughout your journey? What would be the one or two things that you would, you know, speak wisdom into everybody about things that to maybe be aware of? Because you are major successful, right? I mean, you've had your journey, but you've, you've done some amazing things. But as, as your journey and, and things that you've walked through, what would be a couple of things of insight, you know, and there may be more, right, than just one or two, but what would you, you know, to speak to speak um, some wisdom into some people that are thinking about going into entrepreneurship or starting their own business. Um, what would be some things that you would share with them? Um, it's probably <clears throat> whatever you think it's going to be. It's probably five to 10 times harder than you think it's going to be. It's probably going to take you longer than you think it's going to take. Um, and it's going to take, I think the most I think the most important asset that people have is people. It's their network, 
It's the people who work inside your company. Um, and so how you treat those assets is, um, is critical to success. And I think a lot of people who become entrepreneurs, they do it first, they do everything themselves. And so they think every, they think they can do everything better than everybody else. And rather than raise up leaders, uh, inside of their, uh, team, they're scared because they think those people are going to take from them. And so they don't share. Uh, and that's a, uh, I think that's a, I see this a lot and it's unfortunate because if you share everything, you know, and you treat people really, really well, um, you build loyalty and, you know, eventually people are going to leave no matter what you do, because they're going to, hopefully they're going to grow into a leader and become their own, a leader of their own tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. But that shouldn't dissuade you from sharing what you know with them and making them become better. Uh, so there's two, two kinds, right? There's the manager and there's the leader. And I think to the extent that you can become a leader, uh, the people will manage themselves. What would be, um, one of the things that you've learned that you, uh, and maybe that kind of goes into to what you just kind of answered, but, um, maybe some aha moments of things that you might have done differently or things that you would, um, you know, think about as starting a business, some things that you should really take into consideration that maybe you shouldn't do the hard knocks that you and I have learned, you know, some of that you've learned throughout your journey of what you would never do again. Oh, two, two things for sure. Um, I would, I would learn about finances really early, really early. Um, operating a business out of a checkbook with no understanding about financials <clears throat> is a train wreck. Uh, your ability to outwork your lack of knowledge in the financial realm um, is unless you're lucky like I was. I mean, that, that was luck that I, that I was able to outwork my lack of knowledge, my lack of financial knowledge. Uh, so study, you need to understand a P&L and a balance sheet and a statement of cash flows and, and all that stuff that you hated in school that people tried to teach you that you didn't learn. Well, you need to learn it in order to be, in order to be a business owner and you need to learn it early because all the money that goes in the bank account isn't yours. Uh, and you need to understand, you just need to understand that stuff early on. I, I would have preferred to learn that way earlier than I did. And I would much rather have learned it, not the hard way. Um, second thing is <clears throat> I really thought that in business, you had to be protective of everything that you had so much so that. It's almost like no one can like you. No one can know what you're doing, um, and because of that, I didn't have a very big network because I was kind of scared everybody's going to steal my stuff. As soon as I learned what what you described the masterminds to be, mm -hmm. that there are places that you can go as a business owner where people will understand you and your concerns and your problems and will share with you solutions. My business took off in a way that I didn't even understand it was even possible. Um, and so it's the same thing just with everything. So in the financial realm, if you can understand that your business will take off because you're not going to be stupid with your money. Well, secondarily to that, there's all of these other components to running a business. 
And there are people out there who've already been through it who are willing to help you if you just reach out. And then I'll never forget the first time I went to a mastermind. Um, it was Collective Genius, uh, Jason Medley's group. And I'm forever grateful that I went. I'm forever grateful that I met Jason. It completely altered my existence. As a, as a, as a human being and as a, as a business owner, I owe that man a lot. So I was going, this is how jaded I was as a business owner. And I invite everyone to not be. I went there, I'm, we're supposed to share something with the group. And then we're supposed to take like two or three things that we need help with, right? I didn't understand this whole mastermind concept at all. I went there and before I went, I had a meeting with my staff, everybody on my team to try to figure out what we could share that would be the least impactful thing like that somebody couldn't steal my business, right? So what's the, what's the least thing that we can share that I can still say I shared something, but it's not gonna hurt our business if somebody takes it. Then I get there and, and like people are sharing their whole business. They're sharing like, I, I'm supposed to go day two, right? People are sharing, I, I mean, I was floored. I would never have thought people would share that much information, right? And they're like, oh, it's in the Dropbox. You can go get all the contracts, everything you need. I'm like, what? what is this? <clears throat> and I felt like such a douche when I, I mean, it was my turn and I had this stupid share. Uh, and the next time, next time I, I brought it, but um, it opened my eyes to the fact that there, that there's this whole other way of doing business, which is just collaborative, right? It's, uh, and you and I have experienced that it's something magical, man, where you don't have to make all these mistakes. Somebody can help you not make them. Um, those two things I would have done way earlier in my business career, way earlier. That's a really great insight. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of conversations and I think to your, to your point, it, and it speaks home to me, right. But the, you know, the financials and then, you know, the, the ability to just, and that's hard, right. That's because it, it to sharing, right. Because we have all this intellectual property and we just like hang yeah. on to it. And we just don't want to like, we, we feel like, you know, maybe we've been taken advantage of before things have happened and you just, you get jaded and you get guarded and it's just like, you protect everything you have, but yet it's, and it's not easy, right? I got to remind myself of that every day too, to just say, you know, what is my outcome? Like, what am I trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't protect your, uh, your, your IP, right? I'm not saying right. that, but what I am saying is that you should find a place where it's safe to be able to talk about your business and talk about the things that are wrong. There's plenty of places you can go where you can beat your chest and, and lie about how great you are. Um, there's plenty of places you can do that, right? You need to find a place where you can really let your guard down and be vulnerable and tell people where your problems are, where you're confident that whatever you say, isn't going to get out into the, you know, into the ethernet, right? Like everybody knows your, your, your baggage. If you can find that kind of place, your business will soar because telling everybody how great you are doesn't help you grow. Right. And, and you know, but telling people what's wrong that can actually help you with it does help your business grow. It takes, it takes you checking your ego before you go into the room. Yeah. It takes everybody else checking their ego before they go into the room but it is massively beneficial. Yeah, I think that was really well said. And I think, you know, talk a little bit about, um, you know, you mentioned about your journey and now you're, you're doing, 
uh, rental real estate and you're helping people understand how to do that. Do you want to talk a little bit about your, your trainings and how you can help people and how they can reach out to you if they want to um, get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. So my, my, my main business, we, we both educate people um, for free. Uh, so all our education is for free, but we help people understand why they should own real estate, all of the reasons why they should own it. And there are a myriad of reasons why people should own it. And then we help make it really, really simple. What I learned when I got forced into the rental business is that it's a, it's a, if you do it all yourself, it's a horrible game. I mean, you just, I mean, it's just, nobody wants to be a landlord, right? Um, and you've heard all the war stories and everything like that. And those are all real. But what I learned was that you, there are professionals that manage these things and that, you know, if I could go out and put all the pieces together, there's a whole lot of people out there who would love to do it. They just don't know how, and they don't have the network that I have. And so what we do very simply is we plug people into the same network that I have, and we have available inventory that they can just buy. And then, you know, we, we have the, we have the, the, the lenders, we have the 1031 accommodators, you know, we have the IRA custodians, we, we have the property managers and all of the people that you need to be able to run this, all the teams that you need. And we operate in 10 states right now. And so we have inventory people can just buy if they have money they want to invest and we can help them understand how to do that. And then in addition to that, more holistically, we have people that we can help introduce them to for tax planning and for, you know, all the things we were talking about on my podcast, right? Is this, this distribution planning and, and, you know, tax legal advice, all of these other associated things that you need to be able to run a successful, um, you know, rental business. Cause it's a business, right? Um, that's what we do. Cool thing is we don't charge for any of that because we're a real estate brokerage and we get paid by the seller. So we've come up with this creative way that we, we can help our clients and still not charge our clients. It's, it's um, and our clients love it. We've helped thousands and thousands of people buy, you know, million, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate and increase their cash flow and reduce their taxes and all the other things we were kind of talking about on my podcast. Right. And, um, and so that's what we do. In addition, I, I, I run some syndications and um, I do the, the leadership boardroom thing and, um, is, RP, is, is RP Capital one of the syndications? No, RP Capital is just my business, right? It's, it's, it's just, um, we, but I have RP Capital Management and that's kind of my management arm for the syndications. And then each syndication is, uh, is unique. So we'll buy an apartment building and I'll syndicate it. I'll get investors in, in that particular building and then we'll do another one, do another one. So they all kind of stand alone. Just, just, just finished raising on one of them. We'll close it in two weeks. Uh, yeah. And I love your apartment. I love your model though of, of how you're um, really, you know, you're you're getting paid on one side of it, but again, it's value add to what you've talked about this entire podcast. In my opinion, Ron is like sharing the network of people that you have, yeah. so they're going to become successful. And and it's you know it's it's blessed you as well. Like it's it's helped launch your career and your company. Yeah, I mean, selfishly, people continue to come back and buy from us, right? Because we have all of this stuff for them which makes me more money, but makes them money as well. And, and conversely, it makes all of our sellers money. Um, and you know, we, we, 
we support a lot of different businesses because there's the lenders and there's there's the title companies and you know all the people who are involved in a in a real estate transaction well we do hundreds of those a year and so all of these other businesses they all also benefit from this and then the communities benefit from this you know we have really nice housing that we provide for people mm-hmm. so all in all a lot of people win in this scenario um and incidentally nobody loses which is fantastic you know it's like mine it's monopoly except for you don't have to bankrupt everybody to win (laughs) you can actually help everybody else win too you can tell all your friends about it and everybody can win the game of monopoly in real life nobody has to go bankrupt it's fantastic that's awesome um what states are you in oh man i'll miss some uh, but Midwest, uh, yeah. Midwest, South, and then South, the Carolinas, um, okay. almost entirely. And then we move around, right? So when back, if you asked me that back in 2010, 11, and 12, 13, 14, we were kind of out West. We were yeah. in Boise and we were in, you know, Phoenix. We were down in Florida buying up really cheap stuff because the market had crashed. Yeah. Then those prices ran all the way up and, and we exited those and move to the safe cash flow areas because we believe in cash flow. Um, and we believe in taking advantage of market gifts too. I mean, th- those markets went crazy and you can, you know, you can sell in those markets, 1031 exchange that money into other, and you can, you, one asset can produce three more assets without you injecting any more capital into it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome. So does it, does it, does it demographic kind of change to you based on what's going on with the, the economy like you mentioned like you were in boise because things were going down is it so are you are you limbo in that way too like so if i'm in yeah. north dakota can i still buy a piece of property with you if you're another if you're not in north dakota oh yeah none of our clients almost none of our clients buy in the in the market where they live so we believe you you um live where you want to but invest where it makes sense so if you live in you if you live in california right now it makes zero sense to buy a property in california right now because it a it won't cash flow b the prices have been going up for over a decade um it doesn't make any sense to do that and they're ridiculously expensive you know one million dollar house out in you know not the nicest house out in california that that million dollars i mean that'll buy you five houses in the midwest all that produce cash flow every one of them that produces cash flow and I think well, there's a lot of people that just don't know that. Right? If you live in California and you've pretty much been there their whole your whole life, you don't even know this is possible, right? I mean, how can you how can you buy a house for $150,000 that people pay $1,200 rent for? Doesn't that doesn't commute? That doesn't compute for for people in California because they, a that property doesn't exist, but b why would anyone pay that much rent for a $150,000 house? Well, it doesn't really matter what you think about it. That's the reality. That's that's what people do. Right. So you can take advantage of that from California because we have all the team on the ground in Kansas City or Memphis or any of these marketplaces to be able to manage that property for you from North Dakota or from, you know, California or from wherever you are. And, and I think it's important too, like you have the legal team because every, every state has their different rules too, as it relates yep. to purchasing the real estate and all those different things too. So that's, you yep. know, you're, you're providing an awesome service. So, and then, um, if our listeners want to get in contact with you, which I encourage everybody should, because um, Ron, you know, just full of wisdom and just has done an awesome job of creating businesses. But how can they get in contact with you and share a little bit about your podcast too? Uh, yeah, so um, my website is rpcinvest.com. Stands for RP Capital. So rpcinvest.com. 
Um, you can go, there's free education uh, on, on there. You can, you can, you can connect with us for a wealth plan appointment, talk about us, uh, some real estate, whatever you want. Um, happy to help you however we can. And then, um, my podcast, which I absolutely love doing a second year, we've been doing it. Um, it's called the get real estate pod podcast. So we get real about real estate, about business and about life, kind of how all that stuff intersects. Um, and you can find us at getrealestatesuccess.com, getrealestatesuccess.com. And, um, we'd love for you to jump over and, and take a listen. If you like it, like it and subscribe and, um, yeah. Like it and, and write reviews, right, Ron? I mean, doing write these, reviews, podcasts, man. these podcasts are, you know, a lot of fun and the, the feedback and comments are, um, really important to us as, as hosts and as, um, guests, because it gives, it gives us feedback and, um, I think it's important. So. You know, it's yeah. not the, it's not the easiest thing to do. Apple and these other places don't make it as, as easy as they could to write a review. But I'm telling you, one of the things you can do for John, if you, if you like this episode, or if you, if you like any of the other episodes of the podcast is to really take the time. I mean, no, nobody's asking you for any money, right? If you, if you enjoy this podcast, take the time to write the man a review because that helps him rank higher. It helps him reach more people. And that's really what will promote and, and produce more content from him for you and for everybody else. And so it's a, it's one of those ways that you don't have to spend any money to really make a big difference for John, for his show. And, and, um, I encourage everybody on here to do that. Ron, thanks a lot um, for being here again. And, um, I can't wait to, I hope you come back because just there's, I think there's so many more things that we could talk about. Um, and especially, you know, this starting out the new year, um, just, really encourage people to, to create their vision, set their goals, um, start putting some plans together and, and uh, really just try to take 2021 by the bull of the horns and, and accomplish what you want to accomplish because there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And there's a lot of awesome people out there like Ron and, and um, that you can reach out to and connect with that can you know, be a resource for you. So again, Ron, thanks a lot for being on the show and My pleasure. Uh, really appreciate being here. My pleasure, happy to do it. All right, everybody. Well, until next time, thanks a lot for joining in and uh, have an awesome week.